Welcome everybody to the Monster Baby Podcast, a curious romp through the worlds of mindfulness and improvisation. I'm Ted DeMaison. <laughs> I'm Lisa Rowland. <laughs> the musical Lisa Rowland, ladies and gentlemen. That was great. Thank you very much. Yeah. Welcome to our 70th episode. Mm-hmm. It's a Thanksgiving episode. Oh. Because tomorrow is Thanksgiving. We, we don't know when this will be. together to ask the Lord's blessing. I just want to sing, too. Yeah, you just want to get in on the singing action. Uh, tomorrow's Thanksgiving. I don't know when this will be released, so it might be. It might come out after Thanksgiving. Yeah, it might come out on Thanksgiving. I'm sort of surprised we didn't do more of a gratitude-focused episode. Well, I, I'm thankful that we had the time to be together. Me, too. And Great. That checks that box. Boom. <laughs> Done. Anything we need to say about pilgrims or Native American people or squash or anything? We just get those. We don't need to check those boxes. I don't think so. Okay, good. Yeah. So Thanksgiving out of the way. We're we're this episode is about storytelling or story. It's about story, and it's uh, yeah, it's a long time coming. We'll get into that a little bit at the beginning of the episode. Um. And it's it's crazy that it's taken us this long to finally do this because story feels so fundamental to both yeah to, to both disciplines and so we'll we'll get into we'll get into that we get into it and uh, lots of different angles lots of different we talk about families and histories and mementos and filters all yeah. sorts of crazy stuff yeah all sorts of stuff it's it's good it's good stuff i'm excited yeah i had a good time i sort of lost lost t- time yeah hey let's get into it great yeah kick it off <laughs> rock and roll thanksgiving onward We are. This is this one. <laughs> this episode has been waiting for years. Yeah, it's it's a it's a little touchy. It's a, I find myself a little bit right because the last time we tried it, it was like we can't, we can't. We discovered a a, a fundamental difference. With tension. Tension. Right, but I think we resolved. I think that episode resolved the tension for the most part, like the experience. I think so too. Yeah. I think so, so this too. was like two years ago. So we're going to take another run at this topic. Yeah, we were going to do episode number 10 was going to be about story. 10, my God. 60 episodes ago. And Lisa was in Germany and I was in New York. I remember, I was in, I was in Frankfurt. Yeah, and we had a transcontinental technological episode. And I had planned a whole thing out. I like... A, a sequence. A flow. Uh, uh, we'll start with this and we'll move into this. Yeah, it was great. I we'll had talk about a narrative. this. created a total narrative. I had an arc. Yeah. And then there were two things that happened was, in that episode. Yeah. One was that it just kind of got clunky with well, having were, an arc. Well, there were technical difficulties. That's what I mean. Like that we kept getting cut off and had to reestablish a That was second thing, yeah. Thing. And so we were like talking about... So, so it's like we got to talk about chunks of things, but then it would get interrupted and we'd have to start again... And pretend that we hadn't talked about it before. Yeah, so it was sort of like that. That part was hard, but then also at the end there was a. I fe- I feel like ultimately you managed to edit something together that felt like right. It was kind of an up, yeah, an we, arc. We could have published it. Yeah, that was like yes, we have, t- and f- and what I recall is being like, but this was not a conversation that discovered anything. This was just like we've hit all of the checkpoints on this flow, but like right. it's not a conversation. It's like a. An essay. Right. 
a and declaration. I, mean, I don't think that's what we do. You know, right? so it's like yeah. we had to like work that out and we decided not to publish it. And we've never revisited this very fertile topic it's, since. It's in the cobwebs. It's sitting in there in the files. Yeah. Cobwebby. But yeah, but we've gone 70 episodes and have not had an episode about story. Which, which is, is which is crazy. Central to both mindfulness and improvisation. So I'm kind of excited. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, I, it's totally on my mind. I just got back from visiting my family. And let me tell you about stories with families. Oof. So the, the, what? What? Yeah, I want to get to that. Well, no. What? <laughs> what do you what? mean? Like, give me a. T- We're not going to get to it when you decide to get to it. Let's get to it now. What do you well, mean? Or what's a headline? A headline is. Just what did you mean by that comment? Is my. I meant my when, Okay, so I spent time with my with my mom and my brother and my nephew in particular. Yeah. And I found that as I was with them that I spend a lot of time managing what they think is happening. Ah. Like what's un- what's the meaning of what's unfolding and what does it say about who we are and how we relate and oh. it's part of this managing what you think they think is happening. Right. And and I realized that there was a lot of work and that each character in this story, if you will, has their own stories yeah. that they think is what's happening. They have filters on what they think is happening, including yeah. me. Yeah. Spend so much time like trying to parse that out and manage it and get it clear and clarify their assumptions and my assumptions. I spent so much time doing that. It's exhausting. Yeah. And that when I stepped out of being with my family and went to hang out with a friend in Albuquerque, I felt my energy just like, whoo, here I am. This is me. This is... And so it's like, to what extent am I participating in a story that's like holding me down? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yet, or holding me back or limiting me. And yet, that long, like I've never known anybody as long as I've known my family. And so there's a long time story there. So there's this tension around, do stories, seeing, does seeing our life as a story help or does it hold us back? Yeah. So that was, that's one of the big questions Mm. I have that I want to get into today. Cool. (sighs) <sighs> great yeah yeah good yeah. good teaser okay good for when we get there so we'll get a little teaser on that one yeah and then um and then you know we spend so much time and i spend a lot of time in my work talking about the overlap and the intersection of mindfulness and improvisation yeah you know presence uh, attention connectedness, acceptance yeah all like, the stuff all this stuff like they say the same thing in different ways complementary ways and yet fundamental tensions the first one is impulse versus pause improv says follow your impulse mindfulness says oh hold yeah, on right but then about story where improv is like yeah tell stories we've got lots of stories and they can take different shapes and mindfulness is like mm, don't let's, let's don't tell your stories don't tell stories about this just Look notice what's, what's there yeah. yeah 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 so i'm i'm excited about exploring Interesting. that tension cool mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is that how you feel like you said at the beginning of this just moments ago you were like stories are so fundamental to both mindfulness and improvisation is that what you mean yeah yeah. is that the relation that there is there is a central tenet of mindfulness that is don't tell stories well i'd say it's probably more like check your stories Mm -hmm. acknowledge that you've got stories going on Yeah, yeah and hold them loosely yeah not give them up entirely but sort of investigate them and yeah see if you can it's sort of this idea of hold the interpretation like don't we don't need to interpret these facts right now mm-hmm. we don't need to sort of we, we we just can let them be there right there's a one of the lessons in, in my class i is called mind as storyteller and mm-hmm. it's a lesson i 
adapted from the .b course from the Mindfulness in Schools project. And l we talk about how the mind so quickly makes stuff up yeah. about what's true. Yeah. We get a little bit of information like, oh, I know what's going on now. Oh, totally. And then we get new information. And if we're nimble, and I would say rational, we adjust our take on what's happening. Our interpretation. We're like, ah, oh, now I see what's happening. Okay, so now I didn't know that. Now I can readjust. Other times, though, we just keep holding on to our story and we just... If it doesn't fit our story, we deny it to be true. Cognitive dissonance, right? It's and like yeah. selective attention. And I see, I mean, that's going on 100% with the political stuff now. It's like yeah. if something confirms your story, you take it in. If it doesn't, you just say it's the other side making crap up. Yeah. But to not look at how the mind does that, it's like assumptions and filters and all those things that get in the way of seeing what's really true, then you can't really ever see what's true. Mm -hmm. If you're not aware of those stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're not aware that Im that immediately a lens is placed, you're, you're looking through a lens. Looking through a lens, and then immediately something happens, the lens dictates this whole like text of like, this is what this means. This is what this means, and this is what it will mean for me going forward. That's right. It's so much about the future. Yeah. And the past. Yeah. Like, this is why it's happening. It yeah. might be one of those things, right? Right. Uh, I can come up with a, a zillion reasons why this happened. And and I have noticed, both in my trip home to, uh, I should say my trip to Albuquerque to be with my family, and other experiences I've had recently where I meet people who they they just make stuff up that assumes the worst in other people. Mm -hmm. And how I think, um, it's frustrating to me, it's, it angers me, why are you assuming that? Yeah. I was with... Uh, if, you're, if you're making up a story anyway, yeah. why are you making up such why a bad you, one? Why are you choosing such a negative? Why are right. you... And I was with a, a couple recently and, you know, I, I, I know both of them to some degree, and, but one of the, the woman and the couple kind of kept interpreting things as if the guy was incompetent. Mm -hmm. Or that he was somehow intending to injure her or harm her yeah. or mistreat her. Yeah. I just didn't see it that way. And she kept interpreting it that way. And I thought, this hurts. Yeah. And I, I don't I don't really want to be around this. And I wanted to kind of yell and say, you're making that up. Yeah. But it wasn't my place to step in. Because they're a couple? Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. That, that feels like a whole separate thing is... When you've been with somebody for a long time, examining the stories that you've told together. Yes. These things that have developed that you don't even recognize. Yep. They're just the way you are. And then starting to peel them back and notice patterns of yep. behaviors and assumptions and roles. And yeah, that seems extra, <laughs> extra. Extra treacherous. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead and step into that minefield. So, so that's well, another place. Well, yeah. Not, no, not treacherous. Oh, you know, not minefield. I don't mean no, not minefield. Just, just hard work. Just, mm. just hard. Mm. Because yeah, no, it doesn't feel like dangerous to okay. do that. It feels actually really powerful and liberating. Okay, great. To do that, I think to start to examine and un. We talked about this last time. Unscript to unscript some of that story. Yeah. Right? Okay, we're we're right. playing with a script and then to start to look at the patterns that we've been, we've been, that we've fallen into and, and these stories of like, ugh, you never know, you, 
you never know how to do this. You're never get, you, you never get these details right. right. You never pay attention to whatever. And then, and then that partner will start telling those stories about himself. Right. Right. So that help, that's helpful because I think that I was thinking of it as a minefield if I'm working with somebody who's unpleasant and who's going to cling to their stories. But if we're doing it together, we're doing the investigation together, it's actually, I find that really thrilling. Yeah. And like you said, liberating and like, oh, great. It's like opening a trap door in, the, in a relationship and being like, oh, wait, we could be in this other way. Yeah. And then we're almost like two different people. I mean, I've... And, and I think that that's one of the things that I love most about my relationship with my mom is that for whatever hitches I find or difficulties I have, we're really good at eventually finding enough meta perspective to be able to say, hey, can we talk about this? Mm -hmm. This is going on. I really want to have a strong connection. This is affecting it. What can we do about it? Mm -hmm. And to, to then get in there and say, well, here's a story I hear. Here's something I see you doing or saying. I don't buy that. What do you think of that? Mm -hmm. To have that kind of, yeah. And that's liberating. It feels like, okay, good. Now we're yeah. reconnected. I have, a, I, have a friend, I have a pair of friends, a couple, who talk about, who, who maybe I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but they, they, they touch this very directly, which is part of the language that they use with one another when one finds themselves, you know, one will come home and find that the kitchen is a mess and the dishes haven't been done or whatever, and he'll say, and he'll immediately notice that he makes assumptions about why, right? It mm -hmm. makes me angry. She's just decided that she wanted to watch a movie instead of doing this thing that will support our happy yeah. and healthy home to right? like anger, anger, frustration. And then he'll stop himself and he'll actually say to her this, I'm frustrated. And the story in my head is that you chose to do this instead of this. Is that a true story? Right. You Love know, yeah. the story in my head, like that's the language. And it's incredible that they're able to a notice, yep. notice that I'm telling stories in my head and then to check them out, yeah. right? Like check your stories. That. The story in my head is that you're. You, the story in my head is that you're going to be angry at me if I can't do this right. But to recognize that, oh wait, that's me. That's that's a story that I told. Yes, I love. And that. now it's now it's affecting the way that I'm approaching you, the way that I'm interacting with you, because I've told myself a story about what is true, and my fiction is affecting my behavior. Right. And so if you can back up and check your fiction, check your right. Check your story. Or get confirmation. Or get confirmation. Like, yeah, I yeah. will be upset if you don't do that. Whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But then we're dealing with what's real. Yes. And I do this so much. You do, What's the this? Storytelling. Mm. And my particular brand is... <laughs> I want to see this brand on the side of a truck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think my, my particular brand is like... Picking up on small details to, to think that I understand what somebody wants and where they are, what they want from me, how they need me to be, and then being that mm -hmm. completely at the expense of how you want to be. I want to be. And it's never, it's not quite that blatant or explicit. I'm not like, fine, I will. I will be completely different because I believe that you want me to be. It's just a sort of like, oh yeah, I get the sense they want to be that. Of course I will. Like, right, or, you're just, it's a friendly morph. Yeah. I, yeah. And I don't even notice that it's a morph. Right. Really, I mean, right. it's not an it's not a conscious subversion of yeah. my own needs. It's just sort of like, yeah, you do that, and it and and there's a lot of times when I'm like, wait, I, this may not have meant like this action or or mm -hmm. comment or whatever may not have may not have been the request 
that I interpreted it as. Mm -hmm. And now I have sort of like made that the most important thing. Right. In terms of how I'm behaving towards this person. And it's not even true or like Mm -hmm. that's not, you know... So it's a people-pleasing story writing. Do you have a specific example of that that you can think of? Recently. So I made a, I made bread. Like, I, like dough bread. Yeah, bread. I made, yeah. yeah. There's a couple, so a couple of things. I tried making sourdough bread for the first time. I did it because I got some sourdough starter from a friend. And I'm not a baker and I've never made bread. But I got sort of inspired. I'm like cooking more lately. And I'm like discovering that I am... That I can, right? It's like sort of empowering and exciting because it's not something that I normally do. Chef Lisa enters the stage. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> right. So it was not, but I, so I tried it. Okay, so I made this bread. In the meantime, I don't think this is an interesting story. Uh, l- let's see. Okay. So he and I had been talking about when a visit would happen. He was not feeling well, and I was like, hey, would a visit be good? Would you, you be up for a visit? Like, if the bread is good, I'll bring it by. And then... He wrote, he like ex- communicates exclusively in like commenting on the text. So you know how you like can double tap and like love a text or right. ex- exclaim a text or thumbs up a text. So like that's like a significant amount of the responses is uh-huh. like thumbs up to the text, uh-huh. um, to the message. Okay. So I was like, maybe I can bring it by. D- double tap, love, love that. I was like, okay, great. I think that's going to happen. And then and later he was like, uh, what's your schedule tomorrow? And I was like, well, uh, which is today. Oh, I'm free in the, mo- mo- uh, I have a thing in the first part of the day and a thing in the second, in the last part of the day, but the middle is open. Double tap, thumbs up. Which I <laughs> interpreted to mean, okay, we're going to visit tomorrow and not today. But it was not explicit. Right. Okay. So then yesterday, I had taken, I was like, was going to go over in the afternoon, but sort of chucked it, did something else. And then like a couple hours after I was going to go, he texts and goes, bread? Question mark. Because I'd been keeping him up to date on the bread. And I was like, and immediately spun a whole story about like, oh my God, he did want me to visit and he, and, and, and he's wondering where the hell I am because he was right. expecting me. And so I, uh, so I wrote back with this whole loading of like, oh my God, yes. And I could totally come by. I'm like, what? It didn't actually work for me to go by. Right. It was, it would have been inconvenient, but doable. Right. So you and could so, have changed everything around. And so I was perfectly ready to do it. I was like ready just, to just, just be based like. Based on the one word and the question mark. Yes. Based on one word and a question mark, I was like... Yeah, perfect example. Great. Yeah, uh, yeah of course. I, I was like, yeah, it's great. And, I would, and, and totally I'll, I'll be... Is now a good time for a visit? Because I could be there. You know, and he was like, oh, actually... And, and then I wrote like three texts in quick succession because I was like spinning on my right. own interpretation of what was happening. Oh my God, yeah, I could totally come by and visit now. Is now a good time for you? I sort of thought earlier that maybe you wanted to lay low because I thought you maybe weren't uh, feeling wow. so well. But if it works, I could... cut. And yes, the bread tastes great. <laughs> Loved that comment. Yeah, I was gonna double say, tap. Double heart, tap. The, the heart, the, the bread tastes great comment. And writes in like, nah, I'm, I'm not feeling so good. I think tomorrow would be better. Uh, I don't want to get you sick, so. So let's chill. Yeah, just wait. So is tomorrow okay? And I'm like. <sighs> <laughs> like, can I take a shower oh from all God, the sweat? Oh my God, I went through so much. Yeah. M- machinations. Yeah. Immediately. Great example. A, maybe like 
Apple provided responses to text messages is not a clear enough method of no. communication. Yeah. But yeah. B, check your story. Right. Like you don't need to bend over backwards to make what you think his expectation is happen. It's a really cool question. When I was wrong in the first place. Yeah. How do you and how do you check? It's like what a, what little tingles do you pick up on as that momentum starts to gather? You're like whoa 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 to catch it so like the train doesn't get over the top of the hill and start like, rolling down. Like how can I sort of like yeah how, there's, yeah. there's a gate at the top of the hill. Yeah. So there's just the check yourself out. Engineer of the train has to check in and be like look at the hey, view. Can we go down the hill? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And the gatekeeper's like well hold it. No, we need. Check, I need to check your manifest. Just get your brakes going. Yes, this yeah. <laughs> is just barreling what, over. What what luggage are you carrying in this train? What's your cargo on this oh train? Oh my god! Yeah, that's that's that a is great a pretty example. good example. I like that. We should use that probably. Okay. Okay. <laughs> nice. Well, I have a I have a question since we've been throwing this word around. Oh wait, I have a thing. Okay. I have a thing that I think is attached to this last thing. Okay. But it's attached to this, the story that you were telling about how we tell stories that, that assume negative. Right. Valence. Yeah. Negative. Put a negative interpretation on what things are happening. This person means me harm. They're trying to get in my way. They're unfeeling. They're inconsiderate. They're mm-hmm. incompetent. Whatever it is. There is this part of me that feels like. This I well, the topic is transcend is transcending human nature. Like there is a way in which mm. when our world was such that stakes were very high on trusting unknown people or whatever, it pays to be super cautious and wary. And to to assume Right, to assume that worse. bad things will happen. Mm-hmm. Right? Like once upon a time, way back in the day, risk was a life and death situation. Change was right. bad. Trust, trusting people you don't tr- trusting people assuming the best of of people not necessarily adaptive yeah in, in a, a way in an evolutionary sense in an evolutionary sense yeah and so i feel like over and over and over again in improv we are asked to transcend and challenge our our natures oh interesting i thought you were going to say in mindfulness okay how in improv well, maybe, maybe both, maybe, but right. in, but certainly in the context that I find myself in, I'm often like, this is an opportunity where we transcend how we're programmed to, to respond. Mm. Failure, accepting failure, okay, right? Sure. Uh, reaching out and engaging with people we don't know very well, like in classes right. when we go find a partner. I do this whole, when I do we do this whole thing about finding a partner and notice that when when we ask people to find a partner, there's this quiet moment nobody moves there's this like shiftiness of like looking around hoping that everybody in my in my estimation everybody is like oh god am i gonna have somebody will i belong right i hope and just check with the person next to me you okay you like find somebody who's nearest you don't have to put yourself out there literally very far and it's like okay i'm safe i got somebody there's like a safety which makes sense right because none of us want to be shunned and we all want to be part of the part of the plan right so we have to transcend that to be like just boldly walk up to somebody that you don't know and ask them if they want to be your partner but it's but it's risky it feels emotionally risky even though nothing is really on the table right we need to trust that this is going to be okay but that takes this transcending right yeah and i love that that you i've seen you do it and i do it too that 
that we sort of enable that transcendence by really and, you know, explicitly explicitly going telling people go up to somebody and say I would love to be your partner yeah. and having the other person say I was so hoping you would ask yeah and so, so we create a positive experience yeah. that that lets the transcendence be rewarded right let the transcendence be rewarded <laughs> yes guru yeah, exactly. yeah. so so that's one way last night in class I was talking about how on stage you need to let yourself lose and be vulnerable mm-hmm. and that that is not something that is that that is sure uh, right like doesn't happen we all. have a lot yeah. of conditioning not to not to show all of our vulnerability and let everybody you know let let everybody hit us in the heart but in but on stage we have to and in scenes we have to like that's the most compelling thing so there's all these opportunities to transcend how we're yeah, like just this, this deep way that we have of responding. And I feel like these negative knee-jerk reactions are maybe part of that, mm. part of the thing that needs to be transcended. It's like, what if we consciously practice trust and compassion instead? Yeah. Because I don't think that that is, that's not going to keep you safe when you're being hunted. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. It, 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 but, it, but we're not being hunted. And so we need to sort of use our cognitive brain and not our instinctual brain like not not the reptile brain can't be the fear center can't be in charge. Yeah, but I think it often is. If we want to get to where we think we want to go. Yeah. Right. Which I agree. I mean, it, it, it is in charge a lot, but it's right. not the way I want to live. Yeah, and it reminds me of in Buddhism the sort of notion that you know if you're subject to your whims of uh, seeking pleasure and avoiding an, an aversion to pain or suffering that you just get dragged around all the time. And Mm -hmm. then part of the becoming a mature spiritual person is to be able to say, okay, I notice those tinglings and those puppet strings getting pulled. And they're not the boss of me. They're not the boss. I notice them and I get to choose. Mm -hmm. And that there's an equanimity and a calm and a, a wisdom that comes out of clipping those puppet strings and the freedom that comes out of that. And like, all right, now what do I want to do? So I'm not driven by a need. Yeah. So in that sense, kind of also transcending. Yeah. And I think you're right. There's a biological organismic kind of quality to it. Like, you know, you poke the cell in the Petri dish and it like, yeah. you know, backs away from the frightening contact. Yeah. Right. So there, there is a piece of that and it, and it's sort of helpful to be like, oh, there is a reason why that. Yeah. There, I mean, I don't know if that, if like this, I'm. I'm, I'm we're theor- not, I'm we're not backed by I don't know. stacks of evidence. But but right. but I have a theory, a theory, good enough for an me. amateur, unfounded theory that that there is some sort of like biological imperative to like be cautious and yeah, you know, like to, to assume the worst in right. a way, uh, and assume bad intent because if you don't, right, like right, that there, right, when we say no, we stay safe. Right, saying yes, yeah. saying no. There's uh, that's a tenuous, tenuous connection, there's... but there's some there's something in there, right? Yeah, saying yes brings us into the future, brings us out of our comfort zone, brings sort of like brings us on adventures, and saying no keeps us where we are and keeps us safe. And finding problems with your partner is part of that. Yeah, it keeps you safe. Right, right, because it keep it keeps you. You don't have to change. You don't have to change. Right, and changing is scary. Right. Yeah. So anyway. Hmm. Okay. Well, Some that, real shit we're talking about here. <laughs> yeah. Transcendence, transcending our biological imperatives mm-hmm. or living up to them or honoring them or which part of ourselves are we honoring? This is great. It's great. Yeah. But, no, noticing, the, like allowing them to be there and then making a choice. Yeah. 
Well, so this, okay, you, you're, again, leading into a question that I have, because we, we've been using the term for this podcast so far. Story. We haven't defined it, yeah. Mm -hmm. what, what do you think, how do you define the term story? What is a story? Hmm. How do I define it? And that could be in an improvisational sense, like if you're talking with your students and you say, hey, let's tell a story, what's going to qualify or in a larger sense? Here's, here's something, I, I don't know, but here are some things that I say about story. Yeah. So I'll just sort of talk around it for right, a second. Bullet points. It... It's not a story unless somebody has changed. Okay. I, I feel the same way. Yeah. So it's, it's. Character it's, changes, it's, that it could be that simple. Yeah. It's, it's when something affects a change. Yeah. Maybe that's the simplest thing. Okay. I, I talk about how the things that happen need to matter in order for it to be a story and not just a collection a, of events. A snapshot. Not just a snapshot. Yeah. Like a story means that what happened is going to matter for the next thing that happens. Like it's, okay. it, it affects, there's, there are consequences. Does it have to have emotional mattering? Like if a character changes, but we don't care, is that still a story? Why don't we care? Why don't we care that a character changes? Well, if, I don't know if they never went to the library and now they go to the library. That's a change, but do we care? No, I think it needs to be an internal change. Yeah. Okay. Is that what you think? I, I, I like that you're including the notion that it matters. Yeah. Because it, it gives it some magnetism or some but, but, reason to but pay attention. But a character never went to the library and now they go to the library. Like the question for that I have is like, well, why didn't why? they ever go to the library? Yeah, okay. Good. And why do they now? So I think that the, the, yeah, the change is not like, there was a person who never knew where the library was and then they learned and then they went. So what? It's not a story yet. Okay. That's not a story yet. Yeah, great. Then so it's the, like, well, what what happened because they went to the library? There's a right. There's a the, there's a change, and there's a so what to the change. Yeah, but like, does it have to be emotional? I don't know. Okay. I mean, because All it's right. like, right? If it's like this person uh, went along in their lives and they were happy, and then one time, one day, they discovered the library, so they started going to the library, and so because they went to the library, they started reading all sorts of books, and they discovered sci-fi, and uh, and because they discovered sci-fi, the librarian showed them the special upstairs attic where the special sci-fi books were there, and because they were up there, they were there when the aliens came, because this is where the aliens have their <laughs> meeting, and so the person was then brought into brought into space and became. The the overlord of the aliens, Whoa. right? Or whatever was elected their leader. And now, now comes back to that same attic. It's like, we don't know about the emotions, but it still feels like a story Yes, because there's I actually kind of like that story. It's kind of a nice story. <laughs> do, do we get a conclusion to it? But it's, well, I think they come back to the attic to, to, to run the meetings that they were once discovered at. Uh, and probably it ends with at a meeting of the, of the alien, whatever. Overlord. Well, at one time, they come back to the attic of the library, and they find a little boy there Ooh. who's reading sci-fi books, Ooh. and they bring him, right? So it's like a... Wow. Anyway, I think that's... I think that's the story. <laughs> I think that's the story. Uh, but the point is, we don't know about the emotional quality, but it still feels like a story because there are consequences of the... Like, it's, it was an important change. The mm -hmm. Going to the library led to something. Yeah, it mattered. Okay. You referenced in that story that you just created... Yeah or you leaned on anyway, I imagine you did it consciously, the story spine. Yeah. Which is a form from Ken Adams and Kat Coppett. Yeah. Which improvises like, the world over. Yeah, use. which is like a skeleton for storytellers. Yeah, based on the hero's journey. Like, all right, most stories are going to have these Based these on fairy tales. I think fairy that tales. they, yeah, I yeah. think that they, I think that it was a, I think it was a result of, of reading a whole bunch of yeah. fairy tales. And myths. Yeah. Old mythology. So, 
the basic... But Western also, it feels important to note. Sure. They are from Western oh, interesting. culture. Yeah, okay. They're... So, so their sense was the basics of a story are we get the once upon a time introduction to a world, a character. Like a who aware, right? Once upon a time, there was a someone. Yeah. This is who the story's about. Yeah. And every day, here's what they did. So let's, we'll just build it. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the first line is once upon a time. There was what? There was a... Like, uh, let's tell a story. Oh, I see. Oh, you actually want to do one? <laughs> yeah, let's do uh, it. Once upon a time, uh, there was a village in the mountains where the people loved to sing and dance. And every day, so the next line is every day, is, is establishing the routine. So, and every day they had sunset festivals where they would come out and light torches as the sun went down and dance through the, uh, dance through the streets. Great. So those are the first two. And then something changes. So the next line is, until, until one, one day. day. Yeah. And this is when something shifts. We call it a tilt. Until one day, the sun stayed on the horizon and never went down. <gasps> Whoa. Yeah. So something unexpected happens. Uh, because of that, so this is where we get into the consequences. Like, why did that tilt matter? Yeah. If the tilt doesn't matter, if it's like, so they danced in the sunlight. It's like... That's not a story. Right. So because of Yet. that. Okay. So because of that, because the sun never set, uh, the torches were never lit and, uh, well, yeah. the torches were never lit. Uh, uh, and because of that, mm, the village got cold. There's no fire. Yeah, and the sun's down low on the horizon. The sun's down low, and there's no fire. So this, okay, great. It gets cold. Uh, because of that, they started hunting yaks to make much heavier, much heavier clothing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And because of that, the yak population disappeared. <laughs> okay, disappeared. They hunted them into extinction. They, they hunted them to extinction. Okay. Um, the sun's uh, still hanging out on the horizon. Great. Yeah, the sun is... That's the new state of things. Right. Right. Um, okay, the the yak population has disappeared. Disappeared. Because of that, the... Like, who would eat a yak? A mountain lion? Yeah, a mountain lion. Okay, so because of that, the predators in the region, the, the yak predators, like mountain lions and uh, sharp-toothed things, uh, um also began starving mm. and uh and and um were found dead scattered throughout the mountains whoa where's this going ted we don't know <laughs> because of that the queen the surviving queen mountain lion approached the village elders mm. to to discuss the emergency situation, mm, and because of that, there was a uh, they they were able to come to an agreement that the they would the the town would send a, an envoy onto neighboring mountain ranges and mountain peaks to bring a a pair of yaks back to the mountaintop uh, to begin repopulating the yak population, and they made an agreement that they would stop. You you know stop killing them all for their for their woolly uh, warmth, <laughs> and because of that the yak population began to thrive enough to support both the people of the village and the mountain lions. Because of that, the gods were pleased, and they put the sun back on its normal rotation. <laughs> 
Is that an until finally? Uh, yes, until finally the gods were pleased with the situation and the, and the sun was put back on its normal rotation. Yeah. And every day... And ever since that day. Ever since that day. That's the last line. And ever since that day, the villagers continue to dance in the sunset light, but now they do so in partnership with the mountain lions. And the yaks. And the yaks. Oh, the yaks too. The yaks. The yaks get in on the <laughs> fun as yaks. well. yaks, yeah. Yeah. I know the yaks are like, I know we're going to die. That was quite a story. It's quite a story. <laughs> Do you think that was a good illustration of the story? Uh, that wasn't the smoothest. <laughs> but let's review, just to be clear. <laughs> so the story spine <laughs> starts with... Once upon a time. Yeah. Introduction to the characters and the place. And then, and every day. So that's the platform. It tells us what, ha- who, who are these people and what is their normal life like? And there's no problems yet uh, until one day. And here comes a tilt. Something changes. Change. Could be a problem. Could just be new information that changes, changes Stranger things. Stranger comes to town. That yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Forces the, people to rebalance. So the consequences are because of that, because of that, because of that. And usually sort of there's three of those. Three, five, seven. Yeah. yeah. And there could be in a complex story, there are multiple streams Game of Thrones has like 18 because yeah, of that. Yeah, but, but with the story spine is what right. we're talking about. It's just like a couple of them because of that, because of that, because of that. And then until finally, there's sort of like a climax, um, a culmination. Yeah, a big, big flash. And the, the story resolves in some way or something the gods transforms. The put the sun back, back onto its track. Exactly. And ever since that day, there's a new normal. So things are different at the at the end than they were at the beginning. Yeah, and if we were to start another story, that the new normal would be oh, and every day. Yeah. Right. So, and so it can loop around. So that that's a a really helpful frame I find when I'm improvising, and I'm, if I'm trying to tell a story, be like, where are we in the story? Oh, right, we're still doing the because of that's. Mm-hmm. Without having to get two in my head, it's like when it becomes familiar, it's like, yeah, we're doing that sort of thing, and or we haven't set up the everyday yet, right? Yeah, it and, feels I, and like I think that once you get to be a really good improviser, you don't even have to lean on that because you've just internalized it. Yeah, there's just a sense of what a story feels like. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But there's the somebody's going to change. It's really there's like two changes. There's the tilt, and then there's the resolution, right? Sure. And 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 it matters. It matters. It matters that that thing happened. Yeah. It matters to them, so yeah. it matters to us. The, the offers you put in the story are important. Yeah, that makes sense. So I think of um, one story, one kind of story is an explanation that makes sense of the world. Like, what are we humans about? What is the world for? Yeah. How do we relate to spirit world or what the invisible? What did the text bread mean? <laughs> A narrative that makes sense of the world. Double thumbs I'm up. I'm like, oh my God, I get it. Right. I get what's happening. I've, I've told a whole story that explains this. Yeah, and that... that that's part of how we make our choices about what matters to us mm-hmm. is like, well, I believe a story. I don't know if I believe this. I'm going to pretend that I do just for illustration's sure. sake that I have to grow up and get a job and get married and, you know, provide for a family. So then I start basing my decisions on, yeah, I've got to make that happen. Yeah. That's the story I have to tell. Yeah. And then in a mindfulness sense, I think of stories as assumptions that we make about what is true. So like a little, it's not a story in the sense of a narrative, but it's a, it's an explanation. Yeah. I think, I, right? I mean, Does for me, the, the definition you just gave. An explanation of the world. Of right? the world. Yeah. So it's like whatever piece of information I have, this guy cut me off in traffic. Here's my explanation of why that right. is. And that it's 
those assumptions are deeply intertwined with the filters. So our filters are like preset stories that we look for or that we think are going to yeah, be true. Yeah, that are probably set up when we're kids. Yeah. Like a lot of those stories are set up when we're kids. From our families, from our religions, from our schools. Yeah, from what happened to us, from the events yeah. in our lives, like circumstances. And then we look for information that confirms those stories. Yeah. So the, here's, okay, so here's an interesting little rub. When I was teaching high school, teaching freshmen, there was a course called Humanities One, combination English and religious studies. We asked these questions of, who am I? What is my place? What does it mean to be human? How then shall we live? Those are the four questions. And we used the book Ishmael, mm -hmm. which is a, a great story about story. And the basics are that the, the, the protagonist meets a wise gorilla who is being kept in a house. Well, not being kept. He's lives freed himself. House? He's freed himself and he lives in a house. Oh, great. Uh, and he's commenting on like human, and can, humanity. And he he can communicate through thoughts. And so he, you know, he says he's, he's a teacher looking for a student. And the man replies to this ad, shows up, there's a gorilla. And the gorilla is here to teach him about captivity. Mm -hmm. And he talks about how humans are captive to a story. Mm. And that the story we have is that humans are better than everything else. Humans are the culmination of, of evolutionary everything that glory. has come before us. Yeah. yeah. And but here's the here's the rub that when I read Ishmael, I was like, oh my God, that's so such a cool idea and so powerful. Is that whatever stories we tell, we live so as to make those stories come true. Mm. And so in Ishmael, if we humans believe that we are the culmination of evolution. We will end. We are going to end We're evolution end to make it so that we are the culmination of evolution. Whoa. Like, oh, crap. And that is not a universal human story. That there were, for most of human history, we did not have that story that we were the culmination. We were part of a circle of kinship. Yeah. And thus, we're able to keep continuing on. Capitalism. Yeah. So this notion of living so as to make our stories true is something that I noticed with my family when I was in Albuquerque. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if my mom has a story to say that she thinks that those of us in the family don't include her, that we don't want to include her, she can make choices... That will leave her left out. That will leave her left out. And then she'll be like, see? Exactly. Yeah. Right? And, and again, I don't mean to paint this on my mom. Like, we all do this. Totally. Totally. Right? But... Uh, so I wonder, what stories do I tell? What choices do I make so as to make the stories that I'm telling about what I think is true come true? Yeah. Right? And this is why it's like so, for me, so important to examine my stories because I don't want to be trapped by them. Yeah. I feel like right now there's there's also, you know, that just makes me think of like the American dream is a story. I feel like a mm -hmm. lot of things are being dismantled where it's like, Mm, let's check that story. Yeah. Like who gets to live that story? Right. Who does not get to live that story? And, and, and we like to think that, you know, that like we start to notice that different people's experience of the same thing can be, can be very different stories. Yeah. And to lose a story is hugely disruptive. Oh God. It's so threatening. It can, so it, threatening. It could potentially be liberating, but we like, we so lean on them. And this is where I think, I wonder about this, tension in mindfulness is like, okay, fine. If you undo all your stories, now you're floating in this kind of chaos. Of like, what makes sense? We what, need what's your, stories. What's your anchor? What's your tether? Yeah. Story. Well, why do we need them? I mean, 
I tend to agree with that, but yeah. like, let's ask the question, why? Well, I feel like I don't think that we can, because I think stories are meaning makers. Like we, stories are how we make meaning of the, of what's around us. Okay. And some of them help us and some of them don't. I'm trying to think about a helpful story. Do, do you think that without that sense of meaning that we wouldn't have a reason to go on? That it's a survival no, thing? No, 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 no. I think it's like I'd be overwhelmed with if everything holds the same, if every, if nothing you see fits with anything else because it's all just data points. It's, yeah, it's just sort of And it's not organized into, it's overwhelming chaos. Okay. It's how a baby must see the world. They don't have any stories yet, right? It's like, ugh, colors and shapes ah, and sounds. So brains are, I mean, brains... Stories are ways that help our brains make Makes sense. patterns. I think make patterns. Yes. I mean, I think that's what a story is. Maybe it's like interesting. So I, yeah. I wonder, right. And so I recently in therapy, my therapist said a great thing and he was like, well, it seems like what you're coming up against. Cause we were examining what, like I was examining sort of a deeply held belief that it is always inherently good to maintain connection with people. Mm. Okay. If you can maintain a connection with somebody after a hard thing happens, uh, it's a, it's an old time friend, but you don't want to like, it's inherently good to maintain that sure. connection. Not everybody believes that, but that is mm -hmm. what I realized. I sort of realized that, that I have that. that I believe that. Uh, uh, and now it's being examined, right? It's like, is it? You know? Mm -hmm. He's like, I think what's happened is that mostly it is. But your brain has been like, and therefore always it is. Right. And it doesn't have to be always or never. It can be mostly. Right? Yeah, so it's like, sure. it's, there's, I think with stories, it's similar where it's like, yeah, we get a lot of good from the kinds of stories that we can, that we can tell about the world and how we mm -hmm. fit in it. Just our stories about humanity. And, all, like, and there's times when the stories don't help us. I've been thinking a lot about this in terms of my own life. Mm-hmm. Because, well, it's partly about connected to stuff with my family, but for a long time, I thought I wanted to maintain the story of my life. Like, I kept journals when I was a kid, partly so that when I was older, you could I would back. remember yeah. and I would look back, right? And that I could tell my kids and that my grandkids who, or my great-grandkids who never met me would be able to know the story of Ted. Yeah. And how he influenced the world or influenced the family and wouldn't that be great? And, okay, so I haven't had kids, so I'm not going to have grandkids. I don't know that anybody's going to care about my story. I don't know that they need to. But I lessened my attachment to my own story, the sort of continuity of my story, when I was unfortunate. I still think it's unfortunate, but... And somehow in the moving process, you lost I lost journals. my journals from my childhood and my teenage years, my early 20s. That's interesting. And all of a sudden it was like, damn it. That was a carefully curated, carefully maintained unfolding. Documentation. Documentation. And I wish that I had that because I'm sure those experiences are still informing what's happening today. Yeah. But without them, it's like, all right, well... I'll play if, the moment I'm in. <laughs> if I don't have that, I'm just going to do what I can here and now. And because I don't have kids, I'm like, what else can I let go of? 
I don't need, I've got a whole set of books. Like I haven't read in 10 years. They used to be really important to me. They're important part of my psyche. I like having them in the bookshelf so that when people come over, I can say like, that's part of who I am, Mm -hmm. but that's just a story. It's not part of who I am today. I don't like read those books. So why not get rid of them? It's that attachment to like wanting some sort of... This is all, all also an external... This is all how other people will perceive your story. I think it's also how I perceive my own story, But too. you just said, like, I like having those books there so when people come over, they can see the kind of person I am. Yeah, it's like I want to be able to share with them how I think of myself. Yeah, Somehow, but if, right? it's like, what, what if people aren't coming over? Oh, right. Do you know what I mean? Like... yeah. Do you need those? Right, like, yeah, there's a question of, like, of perception. Right. And, like, what's this? And I want these books here so that people will read the story of me. I have the same thing. Yeah. I imagine that someday somebody's going to read back through my journals, and it's like... Right. But it's less of a... Well, anyway, yeah. Yeah, and I notice my reluctance to let go of old things in order to step into the new things. Yeah. So when I first moved out here to California, I started my business, Anima Learning, and it was coming out of my exploration of what makes for effective teaching and learning. Yeah. And had components of growth mindset and applied improv and contemplative practice, which was included mindfulness, but was not just mindfulness, and positive reinforcement. That was my business. That's what I was doing. Pretty quickly, it became clear to me that mindfulness and improvisation were the two pieces that had the most juice, the most insight, the most to offer the world. And I thought, I think I'm going to go in that direction. But I didn't want to let go of Anima Learning because I really like that. And I thought that's where I was going. But it's like, no, I kept that shell of my business as I started to explore mindfulness and improv with you and the podcast and and then writing the book, Playful Mindfulness, and the sort of coming in now... Okay, that has now taken shape. I just changed my business cards to playful from Anima Learning to Playful Mindfulness and Monster Baby Podcast. Yeah. And that feels like, yep, this is where I am. Yeah. And I knew four years ago that this is where I was going to get to, yeah. but I was reluctant to let go of the Anima Learning yeah. because I was like, but wait, that, I worked so hard but to I worked get so there. hard to get there. And there's so much good stuff there. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. There still is. It still fascinates me, but it's not what's right now. Yeah. So there's a, this tension between, it's a good story, the animal learning, but it's like, is it really just valuable in that it got me to here, and now I can let go of it. Oh, you need a new story. And now there's something yeah. else that's emerging. So That's also, that's very interesting. I'm just fascinated by this notion of, you know, does it, does it help us? I think that having does a story. Does what help us? Stories? Having a story, yeah. That we lean on it in hard times. It can provide perspective. When you say story, what do you mean? The, the way you make sense of the world? like, Because what is this, anima is a story, what does that mean? Oh, that's a great question. It's kind of like my personal narrative. It's my because of that, because of that, because of that. Right? So I feel like I need to let people know about the anima learning journey so that it makes sense of where I am now. But I, I don't really need it. Because here you are. Because here I am. And... I'm often in my programs encouraging participants to stop trying to keep yourself safe and just surf the chaos. Yeah. Come into the chaos and play with the chaos. And it's kind of like I'm trying to say the same thing to myself. Let go of your story and just be present with what's happening now. Yeah. Surf this chaos. Let it be messy. 
You don't know where you're going to go. I don't know if I'm going to have a partner or kids down the road or who's going to read my story or who's going to care. I don't know if I care about that anymore. Yeah. But, okay, great. Can I just hang out here? Yeah. And I don't know if that sort of untetheredness is like floating in space without any oxygen or if it's more like being on a surfboard riding the waves of experience and data that's coming in and perception and pleasure and pain and like just be here and surf it. I don't know yet, but mm -hmm. I am actively thinking about it because I like the idea of having my house be free of clutter. So can I get rid of more stuff from my past? And why am I still holding on to those medals that I won in high school? <laughs> For what? For academic decathlon. I kicked ass. <laughs> academic decathlon. Two years in a row, I was the top scorer in Man, Rhode Island. way to go. I've got a couple bronze medals, national bronze you're medals. You're still smart, even if no one can see your medals. I know. You are still a, an academic decathlete. <laughs> It'll always be with me. Thank you, Mrs. Arlengo. Yeah. You know, but Charlotte Zarlengo, great teacher. You know, I like knowing that they're downstairs. Do I need them? You certainly don't. Who needs them? Yeah. Right? I mean, I imagine that if I someday have a spouse, that my spouse would enjoy seeing them. But like... I don't... I actually maybe, don't know. Yeah, maybe I mean, not. Right? I don't know. Like, I'm imagining... I, I, I would enjoy seeing that in somebody else's stuff. I'd, I'd enjoy hearing... That they were an academic decathlete. You're more of a digital denizen than I am. I like what the. I want the tangible. Thing. Like that's that metal's heavy. Yeah. You know, but there's all that like yeah photos. Like, do I ever pull out my photo books anymore? Right. No. So would I like to have my house just be like this kind of Zen garden, of like, yeah, I use my guitar, so there it is. It's in the corner. I'll play it. You know. I don't know. I don't know. Like, are you supposed to keep telling your story and all the sort of streams that flow into it, or are you supposed to step out of it? Supposed to. I mean, yeah, like, what's the, what's the more skillful, resourceful, enjoyable, productive, human, uplifting choice to make, you know? Try it and see. <laughs> that's, my, that's my thought. Okay, but if you give it up, can you ever get it back? What, your decathlete medals? Exactly. I'm not giving them up until <laughs> I, I know for sure. <laughs> you don't. You will not regret giving up your decathlon medals. I just can promise you that right now, Ted. What about the framed poster of me on the cover of the Providence Journal Bulletin with my two <laughs> thumbs up the day after the competition? That showed up in the morning. I went out oh after God. breakfast. I opened the front door and went out to get the Providence Journal Bulletin. I was on the cover. I was like, what the hell? Yeah. Give that to your mom to keep. She keeps your records for you. I think I tried to give it to her once, and then she gave it back. <laughs> your mom's not interested in your story. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. If you want me to take those medals with me when I leave, I will. No, I will. no, no, no. If you want to see them, I'll show them to I you. I don't want to see them. <laughs> They're I'm really not, impressive. I just, I just believe you. The medal doesn't matter at all to me. I'm very yeah. impressed with your academic prowess. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Glory days. My latest go-to is this idea that, that really we just need to follow two rules, which is mm. try shit and keep your eyes open. So Try shit, keep your eyes open. Follow what feels good and then, keep, and then pay attention. No, is this an improv? No. Maxims? This is life. This is, I mean, yes. Okay. But you're talking life. I'm talking life. Okay. So like, well, try it and see how it feels. Mm -hmm. and, and, then the, and then the skill is attention. 
so that you can pay attention to yourself, you can pay attention to how you feel, what you think, what the effect is. And paying attention to other people too, what the effect on them is. Yeah, like pay attention to, 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 to what this, to, to how it feels. So, so there have been times in my life where like I have felt wronged by somebody and I would have this sort of feeling of like, oh, I, I should uh, cut them out. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, but I don't want to cut them out. Mm. And, it, and am I supposed to? Because, I, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And so in those moments, it's like, well, if you don't want to, then don't, and then see how that feels. Right. <laughs> if you want to reach out, reach out, and then see how that feels. Like, see, see, see what that gives you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And what I mean by pay, learn to pay attention to yourself is like, and does that feel good because of my addiction to connection, or does that feel good because it feels good to be in connection, in connection with this person? Mm. Or it could be both. Or it could be both, yeah. Yeah. But it's like, well... I love the iterative nature of what you're describing. Yeah, like, try it and see. And you yeah. don't, you're not committing. Yeah. Now, if you throw away your medals, it's a commitment, Ted. I know. That's the thing. You can't go back. You can't go back. You can't unerase... Ted, you're not going to miss them. Yeah, I'm not convinced of that yet. I, I am down to, like... brought them out and, like, I am and down like to, admired them? Um, you're like, last night year, over maybe, dinner? Maybe a year ago. But I am down to, like, two boxes of my history... Mm-hmm. I've got my my history such as it is now in two boxes. That's I, great. I suppose you could look at my computer. I am too. clearly not a fan of throwing everything out. If you've ever been in my apartment, uh, you know that. Like, I like having my stuff around. I like it. Right. But you would like to not have it. It sounds like to like really clear out. Yeah. I, what I'd really like to clear out are these piles of papers that are everywhere. That I think, well, maybe I need to hold on to that because it maybe tax something in five years or, oh man, you know, or like those were good notes that I took and maybe I'll something do with that something. <laughs> maybe I will something do with that. <laughs> Is how papers on stack do. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. Anyway, I feel like, yeah. Do you have a sense of like that you're here for a reason? No. Okay, see, when I was a kid, I totally had that sense. Well, you thought you were Martin Luther King Jr. reincarnated, <laughs> didn't you? Until I realized that he died after he you were died born. Three months after yeah. I was born. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love that story <laughs> so much. No, I don't feel like I'm here for a reason. I feel like all of this is a giant, lovely accident. Okay. A reason? I don't. I, that's not that I don't. I don't find meaning in the things that I do. Right. Whereas I grew up thinking that I was part of a transition that was happening to help bring more evolution to the planet, to help bring more peace. Well, that may be true. Respect. It may be true, but that, but that that was... Your reason for being here? That that's why I chose to come here. My soul chose to come here at this oh, time. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Right. My God. Right. It seems very stressful. Uh, I Years of therapy helped me to discover that, in fact, yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> and that perhaps while it gave me some sense of importance and value... It also introduced a lot of other oh god yeah pressures that were like are you living up to your reason for being on earth? I thought it was going to be like one of the twenty five people to help save the planet. Ted, I know. My God, I mean, I didn't tell myself that when I was a kid, but yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I thought I was pretty special. I was pretty special. We all are special, right? Yeah, I mean, you know. I I had evidence to confirm my filter. 
right? That was my filter was that that's who I was. And then like, oh, this is why I'm so good at math. This is why I'm so good at school. This is why, because, you know, I've been given these abilities. Yeah. Oh my God. This is why I, I cannot even. This is why I'm so curious about gender stuff because I'm a different kind of man who's brought here to help bring about a new wave of feminist thinking. Yeah. Right. Right. You're the, you're the savior. A savior, not the savior. No, one of 25. One of 25. Yeah, no, one, just, just a mere <laughs> one of Little did I realize a vast the, group of 25 saviors. At the time that we really need to have more saviors who aren't white privileged men, heterosexual men. And that even if there's 25, I'm not the one guy. I mean, it's, it's just, <laughs> I, we don't even need to pick apart, like, what is... No, so true. It's just so true. a wild notion. It's crazy. I'm uh, much more along the lines of, like, thinking that we're accidental or at least whimsical or circumstantial is beautiful and magical. And and, here we are. Who knows? I don't think there's right. a system. I don't yeah. think there's a system. I don't think there's a plan. I don't think there's a reason for my being here. Yeah. I think it's it'll be nice if I can get out of here having made a positive impact on other people's lives. Like, that's how I feel. Right. Okay, so that said, right, I, and I lean generally lean towards that direction. And I would say, whether you know it or not, you still have a story about why we're all here right so even that is a story to say that it's just an accident sure that's my explanation that, that itself is a story yeah. of what is true and that you according to ishmael live so as to make that story true sure right yeah so it's, a, it's an no, interesting yeah interesting notion to be like well what if i choose a different story you know yeah so okay Whew. Okay, I will say one other thing. The thing about story, the thing about the way that story has shown up for me that has helped me in my life is imagining my life, especially when things are not going the way I wish they were mm -hmm. or whatever. It's like things aren't working or things are hard or I'm disappointed or whatever. That there's, that I imagine my life as a longer, as a story. Mm -hmm. I, I, so I imagine myself as a character in a story. And, rec and I recognize that like, oh yeah, this is just the, this is the part of the story where the character struggles. Yes. Cool. The, the next chapter is a different thing. Right. And so we get to play, then later there'll be the time when the character's not struggling anymore. Right. And there's sort of like, it, it, for me what it does, like what it produces is this like, oh, well, I can stop fighting that this is what's happened. This is just, this is, this is that part of the story. Right. And almost, we need this part of the story yeah. in order for the story to be great. You can't fight this part of the story for not being another part of the story. You can't hate this part for not being different. Right. And if the when you read books, right? Like when you read stories, it's like you gotta. Yeah. You're just reading the moment that's it, that's you're in, and so and if yeah. the hero never had any challenges, it'd be like, so what? We wouldn't have the so what. Yeah. So it's like, the test oh great, this is yeah. Of course, like every story has. Different, like moments that feel different ways. Yes. And this is the way that this moment feels. And there, it's, it releases me from hating the moment. Nice. It's so, it's like a little magical. It also puts you in the position of the hero rather than the victim. Yeah. Like this is my story and this is the part where this is hard. Right. And later on, I'll It'll, be in the part where it's not. Right. 
Well, that'll be great. But I'll just play this moment. Yeah. I'll play the hard. I'm just. It's going to be hard for a while. Playing the hard part. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to be in the hard part. It's a. um, That's a. As we've talked about before, that's like a meta shift. Yeah. Like you're not so stuck in it. It's like you'd be able to have the perspective. Hold on. uh, My story has felt different in the past. It's going to feel different in the future. Like so, just ride this out. Yeah. It's going to be hard. It's not going to say it's going to be feel. It's not going to feel good, but. This is, you know, you're reminding me it's of... suffering. You're removing the suffering. You're reminding me of your Bechdel test format, improv format, mm. where you consciously choose not to tell stories in, in the traditional sense. Like, the format is not using the story spine. Yeah. You're, like, getting snippets, snapshots of a woman's life, a complex woman's life, and we see where she's strong, all where she's weak. Complex. You know, all the... Sure. Yeah. And what's cool about the format, and I'm not sure exactly how this works, is that by seeing all these different snapshots, even if there's no through definable line. narrative or through line, I still feel like I've gotten a story. Yeah. Somehow. Well, so this is interesting. Because maybe I've told you about this, that there's sort of like the story spine is a pretty masculine storytelling style. Okay, good. It echoes... The male sexual experience of like we start, we climb, we climb, we climb, we climax, and we stop. Oh, interesting! (laughs) Isn't it interesting? And the Bechdel test is like a lovely sort of like longer experience with peaks and valleys. Wow! There's like moments of delight. There's like different, like there's like different moments within the within the thing, and it's not building to one final culminating event. It's more circular. It's more circular. It's it's a little bit less. A little meandering. It's less less driving. Yeah. Do you love that? Still pleasing. Still pleasing. Yeah. Wow. Still feels complete. Right, and so that's a fascinating question. Of like, is that still storytelling? I mean, I love those shows. I don't know if it's because I've had a female orgasm. <laughs> You've had a female orgasm. That's what I'm saying because you're saying the format is more akin to yeah. a female sexual experience. All right. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) wow isn't that cool yeah that's i love the idea that the 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 show is feminist both in content and in structure right or rather feminine maybe well but so what yeah what i'm saying is it's still satisfying it satisfies that part of me that wants a story right where sometimes i've seen improv shows that are just slice of life and doesn't have that satisfaction Mm -hmm. it's just like all right, great. As you were saying before, that's a slice of life, but so what? Yeah. I watched the person enter their taxes, their tax numbers into their computer. Yeah. Who cares? It's interesting. Right? But somehow in the Bechdel test, there's an exchange of emotions. People are changed. People are affected. And they affect each other. And we see some growth. It's like, oh, okay. And I can imagine that what I've seen is within the context of another ongoing story that extends in both directions. Yeah. You know? That's cool. Which also reminds me of the whole String of Pearls improv game. Yeah. Right? Where we start with the two bookends. Here's the first line of a story that's never been told. Here's the last line of a different story that's never been told. And then somehow we fill in the blanks in between them to make a single story. Yeah. Just one line at a building it one line at a time. Yeah. And so, you know, in the Bechdel test, I feel like we're in the middle of that 
those bookends. Yeah. We don't know what came before, what came after, but it sounds like, oh yeah, something's here. Yeah. Oh, that's a fascinating. I'm glad I I'm glad I mentioned that. Yeah, isn't that a cool? Sure. I sort of love it. To to acknowledge that. It's like, well, this is masculine storytelling. That yeah, default which, style which of the, the world has fine. seen as the right kind of storytelling. Right. But there's another kind of storytelling. It's just misogyny has has made it so that it doesn't seem like a legit one. And we have lived so as to make that story true. And we have lived so as to make that story true, yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, that's a good place to end. I think, I think. so. I think so. All right. Uh, let's let them go. Okay, well, uh, hey, happy Thanksgiving. We're recording this on the day before Thanksgiving, so happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. If it's already happened, I hope it was happy. Oh, yeah. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, but thanks for listening in. Yeah, bye. your episode there it is pulled together boom a big one it was a it felt juicy it's like a, felt yeah, like we it's like a big pomegranate it's like the size, size pomegranate you get at costco <laughs> god obscenely large pomegranate you just whack those things and you've got all sorts of seeds to enjoy that's right that's right juicy be careful because they might stain it's your clothes get all over you but they're really good your story hey your story's already all over you oh it's the moral of this story Mm. All right. Uh, wait. I hope you've enjoyed that. That was a that was a pretty free ranging sort of exploration. Yeah. I do feel like there's probably more we could could have said, but well, yeah. And in fairness, or not in fairness, in celebration of us, unlike when we did it way back two years ago, I felt like this one surprised me. We went some places I didn't expect to go. Me too. One of which was what happened at the very end there, where we sort of identified the masculine and feminine, of the right, of the story traditional spine. story story structure. Such a cool idea, I love it. I do too. I want to explore that more? Yeah. What else surprised you? I bet you, you do. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> Touche. What else surprised me? I don't. Um, the I think the the interesting part about shedding your allowing yourself to be present means shedding parts of your story that you feel really attached to. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I am also intrigued by the notion of how much can I let go of and can I, if I surf in the chaos without attachment to, without the tether of stories telling me where I've come from and where I'm going. What this means, what point of the story I'm in. It's like, well, what if you don't I, know? Am I still a, a productive, healthy, happy human Yeah. contributing? I think I am. And I think that the skills of mindfulness and improvisation make for effective surfing. Yeah. Right. And so it's... Maybe so I'm just justifying my own story in that. Right? <laughs> oh. See, it's good that I've come. It's good that I've come to this because it's helping me not need a story. Yeah, sure, sure. There's a new if one. That, if that works, that's great. And ain't that how it happens? You yeah. get rid of all the stories, and another one's gonna. That's part of when you said, "I think this is what we do as humans." These things just they whoop, just pop up. They bloom back into place. Yeah. So good to be conscious of it. Yeah. Well, uh, in terms of ongoing little maintenance stuff, if you like this episode. If you haven't yet, subscribe, because we'd love to have you along for the ride ongoing. Yeah. If you feel up to it, it can go to iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast and write a review. That's great. That'd be awesome. Uh, let's see. We're so happy that you were so happy that you joined us. Ted, do you have some... Do you? Oh, if you want to talk to us, you can email us at info at monsterbabypodcast.com. Dot com. <laughs> so do that if you want to tell, tell us something. 
Uh, do you have stuff coming up? Yeah, well, there's two things. Classes are Because new? we're, you know, we're right around the holiday season. I want to just remind people that if you want to share some of these insights and the things we've been talking about on the podcast with other people who don't listen to podcasts, you can still buy a copy of Playful Mindfulness. You sure can. The book based on the podcast. Yeah. That makes a great Christmas gift. Great Christmas or gift. Or other holiday gift, uh, birthday gift. But you can get that at playfulmindfulness.info. Dot info. <laughs> so check that out. And then I also want to let people know it's a, a handful of months out, but maybe you're starting to think about what you're going to do with your spring. Probably. To, to Probably say, they are. To say that uh, I am co-leading a retreat called Yes to Life, the Improvisation and Spirituality Weekend. Great. So that's going to be up in Healdsburg, about two hours north of San Francisco, March 13 to 15. Beautiful. Fun. And uh, if people are interested in that, also go to playfulmindfulness.info. There will soon be a header there that points you in the right direction, gives you more info. But I'm doing it with uh, two friends, Angelo John Lewis and Cindy Franklin, that I know through the Diversity and Spirituality Network. Cool. So really cool folks, and I'm excited about what we're going to do and right in line with what we talk about here on Monster Baby. Sweet. And if you're looking for some fun things to do in the holidays, you can come see an improvised holiday musical in the style of Charles Dickens. So great. On Saturdays at Bats. Uh, I'm in the one on the 7th and the 21st. Okay. Uh, I've got loads of shows. You can go to lisaroland.com to find out when I'm playing. But I'm playing a lot, including in the New Year's Eve show at Bats. And so if you're looking for New Year's Eve plans, you could come come, come hang out. Come. And if you want tickets to those shows, you can go to improv.org. <laughs> so check it out. All right. Uh, we hope to see you around. Happy, happy, happy Thanksgiving. Happy yeah. holidays. Uh, so we'll talk to you again soon. So thankful that you're listening yeah. and that you're part of our lives, and we love you. Yep. Yeah. Be well. Ciao.